This podcast deals with mature themes that are intended for an adult audience. The information in this show could be triggering and cause distress for some viewers. If you feel in distress, please seek out help. Please take care in listening. This is the Relationship Review with Delcy Martin. Welcome back to the Relationship Review and the final episode of Season 2. With every relationship beginning, there's one that's ending. Endings are a natural aspect of the relationship journey and something that's forgotten to be given attention to in relationship literature. After all, the end of a relationship is as much a part of the relationship itself as the beginning. Asking you to look at the act of breaking up and separation from an intellectual and rational lens might be challenging for some listeners, especially if you're going through a breakup right now or are still entrenched in an old one. Separation and divorce are common now, with 40 to 50 divorces for every 100 marriages. And among couples who get divorced, 85% do so within the first five years of marriage. So this is a very real issue that needs to be talked about as part of relationships. Breaking up has been identified as a trauma and a highly emotional event. When emotions are involved, it's very difficult to access the rational. I invite you to keep an open mind today and take from this episode what serves you. In my life, I seek out peace, harmony, and balance. Taking this lens and applying it to the breaking up process has me highlighting positive conflict and peaceful resolution. This episode addresses the breakup of short-term relationships, long-term relationships, and marriages. All three of these kinds of relationships experience the same range of emotions at breakup, just differing intensities and complexities. My aim is for me to be as general as possible, and you can apply the principles to any of these relationship types, but there are special issues when it comes to dissolving a marriage that I will talk about. Please know that this episode is intended for healthy relationships dissolving, not abusive relationship dissolving. But how can something be healthy and yet split up? The reasons are because with dissolving an abusive relationship, the reasons are because of systematic violence and power struggle. Rather than with healthy relationships, people divorce, people split up, divorce because of a difference of philosophy and compatibility. Leaving abusive relationships is a very risky and complicated process and needs care and attention that I can't cover in just one episode and I shouldn't cover in this episode. If you need to leave an abusive relationship, I recommend that you seek out your local victim services, women's shelter, or domestic violence crisis line. These resources will have lots of pointers on protection planning and making sure you can leave this relationship in the safest way possible. If there is interest from listeners in covering an episode on domestic violence and leaving these relationships, please let me know through the Facebook group or an email at delcymartin at trueyouththerapy.ca and I can add this to my list of future episodes. Now, 
let's look at a case study. Rick, age 30, and Ryan, also 30, have been married for two years. They've had an up and down relationship with periods of intense positivity and connection, following periods of intense negativity and conflict. Rick has come to counseling because he's realized that he and Ryan's periods of conflict are cycling more often, that there's an overall negative feeling about his partner, and that Ryan has been using alcohol in increasing frequency and has treated Rick poorly when this happens. Ryan is unwilling to seek out help for their relationship and avoids the tough subjects when Rick tries to bring them up. A recent conflict occurred over discussion of adopting a child in their future when Rick realized that they have seriously conflicting desires about having a child. Rick does not see a positive future for their relationship and feels that their conflicting values about family are too difficult to overcome. Rick would like to tell Ryan he would like a separation and divorce, but he's unsure how to do this and unsure what his life afterward will look like. So. Before we even get down to the act of breaking up, we first need to know when to break up. Obviously, there are massive individual differences in relationships and the personalities of each member of the relationship, so no two breakups will be the same. When people have reached a point where they're considering splitting the, envir splitting, the environment is often high in conflict, both in intensity and frequency. We see couples in conflict all the time over seemingly trivial things. An example is a massive blowout over doing the dishes. Chances are that the person is not considering splitting because the dishes weren't done. There's something bigger underlying this. When you're at this point, ask yourself, what is the underlying problem or problems here? These conflicts have likely been happening so frequently for so long that the couple has built up a solid negative bank of emotions. This means that when you think about your partner, your brain will naturally select only the negative things your partner does, and it's very hard to have general feelings of positivity toward them. This general air of negativity in the relationship also makes it challenging to uncover the underlying problem. Your first step before breaking up with them is actually to have a meaningful and detailed conversation with them about what you're seeing in your relationship dynamic. If you have thoughts about breaking up anyway, and you absolutely cannot cope with the status quo anymore, honestly, you have nothing to lose by respectfully but assertively bringing up the problems you see. Your partner may not even know that something is wrong or has seriously underestimated the severity of it. From our case study, it seems that Rick may have given talking a good go, but Ryan seems uninterested in seeking help. The majority of married couples don't seek out relationship counseling before filing for divorce, and a lot of people get counseling to either affirm their decision to divorce or to learn how to divorce well. I would of course recommend this couple seek out relationship counseling prior to moving to separation, but for the purposes of this episode, let's assume that they've had a conversation and that Ryan is not in favor of counseling. It's important to give your partner a fair shot at improving the relationship, but remember, someone worth staying with is someone who's willing to work on your relationship in partnership with you, not in silos. There's a general societal message that people don't work on relationships hard enough now, which is why we see so many breakups and divorces. 
This logic is both flawed and correct. I believe that it's flawed because I believe that people are more aware now of their own needs and what's acceptable. People don't tolerate staying in bad relationships anymore because someone says they need to sacrifice everything for themselves, for their partners. I believe that this accounts for an interesting statistic I found, which said that the majority of breakup initiators are women. I think that women of today know that their own happiness is valued and that they deserve a certain level of respect and positive regard from their partners. On the other hand, there is evidence to show that people are not working as hard on their relationships as they once did. I firmly believe that this is due to a lack of knowledge rather than a lack of caring. No one is modeling for us how to take care of our relationships, and the only help that's given to couples is when they're in crisis. This sets a couple up for taking the quote-unquote easier route of separation because they simply don't have the skills to know how to work on it. Is our case study couple taking the easy way out? No, and this is because of one main issue that they have conflict on, their philosophy on family. Academic literature breaks conflicts up into two categories. One, conflicts of preference, so having different interests, and two, conflicts of values. Conflicts of preference are not in and of themselves relationship enders, though enough of them can cause a lot of strain. It can be a good thing if someone doesn't share your preferences for things because it means that your partner loves you for who you are at your core. Conflict of values are differences of who the two of you are at your core. These are very problematic. Examples of these are differences in wanting kids or not, ideology, money, valuing family versus work, that sort of thing. If the disagreement is about who you are as a person at your core, it will be very hard to have a meaningful and lasting relationship with this person. It seems that Rick and Ryan have a conflict of values, their value of family. It all comes down to what can you tolerate and what can you compromise on. State your boundaries. Try and compromise and work on things. And if your partner does not respect these things, it might be time to leave. So how do we leave gracefully? I say gracefully here because there's a couple of ways I see to leave a relationship. The first way to leave the relationship is one that I've seen modeled on social media. Complete and total anarchy. I've seen videos of people smashing their ex's cars, people taking their children from their partner and refusing to let them see them, or blasting their partner on social media. There's always two sides to every relationship problem. Even if you're dealing with an act of infidelity, there was likely an underlying reason why your partner sought this out. The idea of breaking up gracefully is that you can acknowledge the good that the relationship gave you while asserting your own needs. End the relationship as soon as you know that it's over, but do ensure you've taken the time and consideration to think the decision through. Dragging things out, don't do you or your ex any favors, not to mention the process of separation in and of itself, especially in marriage, is lengthy. So the sooner you begin the process, the sooner you can begin the next chapter of your life. The moment that you made the decision to tell that person is significant. I want to share a bit of my divorce story with you. Please know that when I share some details about my own divorce, there's a lot that I leave out. And this is due to the respect that I have for my ex-husband. 
The way that I intentionally ended my marriage to him in a graceful way is to keep some aspect of our relationship close to our heart, my heart and not to tarnish his reputation in public. I also acknowledge that I made mistakes in our relationship and I've learned many profound lessons from the experience of our 15-year relationship and five-year marriage. When I sat down and asked my ex for a divorce, I remember the moment like it happened yesterday. What I remember most, though, was a splitting in my mind. Before I actually spoke the words, I want a divorce, I remember seeing my life take two distinct paths in my head. One path was where I didn't say the words I wanted to and instead remained entrenched in a really bad relationship for me. The other path was what my life could look like. This was a very hard path for me to see because he was my everything from childhood through some of the biggest events in my life. Life without him was an unknown to me as the end of a really good novel is to someone else. The moment of splitting was when I knew that I was doing something life-changing. My heart was racing like it never had before. The room didn't feel real. I wasn't even fully there in my body, but I said those words, I want a divorce. The reason I share this part of my story is because it highlights the truly life-changing nature of breaking up. I often reflect on what might have happened if I chose the other path. Then I look at my children and my husband and I smile because I know that I did well for myself. No matter when you decide that moment is for you, take responsibility for the decision to break up and vocalize that it's what you want and you need. What will this look like for Rick? He may say something like, Ryan, we've experienced a lot of wonderful things in our time together. I don't believe that our relationship is good for either of us right now, and I'm concerned for both of our well-beings. Our differences and desire to have children are not something I can overcome, and it's too important to me. I need to leave this relationship and pursue a life that will make me happy, and I think that you do too. Always break up in person and take note of your location. It needs to be quiet, safe, and private. Never in front of children. If you have safety concerns, have a trusted friend on standby so they know this is happening today and that you might need a quick exit. Choose a single safety word or emoji that's covert so you can send it quickly. Your loved one can come for you and your partner who's upset won't know that you called for help. If your safety is a concern beyond this, take what precautions that you need to protect yourself, even if this means breaking up by text or email. Be kind to your partner but don't try to make them feel better. Once the decision to break up has been made, you cannot be a part of your ex's support network. Do express your full range of emotions, but try and remain reasonable in your actions and your words. After the breakup, respectfully, respectfully cut off contact for a period of time. You may also consider a trial separation here and then revisit the breakup conversation if the trial separation doesn't improve things for you. Trial separations are often done in marriages, especially if they're long-term ones. Trial separations can give the couple a feeling for what life will be like without each other, and they can gauge their overall feeling of well-being during that time. The couple has to remain completely separate, though. No texting, no meeting, that sort of thing. Trial separations are very helpful for conflicts. 
Before we delve into recovery after a breakup, it's a really common question to be asked, will we get back together? If you get back together after one breakup and both of you have genuinely learned from the experience and genuinely alters their behavior to suit, things can be okay. But if you're in a breakup makeup cycle, chances are good that the universe is sending you a message and it's time to listen. Looking at our case study, unless Rick and Ryan are able to come to a compromise on children, the chances of them getting back together is low because we're dealing with a difference of values here. One thing that's essential in a positive recovery post-breakup is a strong social support network. But this network does not come without its own difficulties. People tend to give one another a really hard time about breakups, saying things like, they should have known. This effect is even worse if you're dealing with a breakup with children in the picture. I've heard folks say lots of things about these individuals like, oh my gosh, how could they have had children when they knew things were so bad? Or what horrible parents for having children and putting them through something like this. These statements truly aren't valid. We don't get into a relationship believing that it will end. You don't really know just how hard parenting is until you are in the middle of it. And although you can guess at how your partner will react to children, you don't know until you're in the middle of poop-filled diapers, puke, and constant noise. You may not feel supported by family and friends. Quite often, the person who's doing the ending is seen as being less needy of the support than the person who's being broken up with. Rick may have problems in his social support network if he's perceived as less needy or less hurting because he did the breaking up. In reality, the emotions are present and strong no matter if you are the breaking up er or the breaking up e. We truly need to practice tolerance and compassion toward those who are in the ending parts of their relationship. The social support network is a primary indicator of healthy recovery in most studies. People are not well equipped to deal with the emotional consequences of breakups because we're really rarely taught the healthy coping strategies after a breakup. The end of a long-term serious relationship is absolutely a trauma. It involves, but is not limited to, financial changes, location changes, legal involvement, new parenting relationships, changes in friendships and family ties, and so much more. Moving to a new house or neighborhood on its own is a big change in social networks. Ones that may already be degrading due to friends feeling a need to choose sides in the breakup. This is a significant life event that needs to be given careful and important attention. Thinking about Rick, I would remind him that you will always experience the pain of loss. Because breakup is a grief process. The grief process is an integral aspect of the attachment behavioral system when there's a loss of an attachment figure. In a previous podcast episode, I'd spoken about how the process of attachment to a primary caregiver in childhood is similar to the process of attachment to your romantic partner. When you lose your partner after a lengthy relationship, you've had a lot of time to create deep attachment to one another. Your partner becomes your primary attachment figure. That attachment is affected on some levels with conflict, but remains present through the divorce process and sometimes long afterward. I was one of those people that were at risk of a poor recovery from divorce because I'd met my ex-partner in high school. He was my first love. I had a tumultuous childhood and youth, and he absolutely became my primary attachment figure for 15 years. 
It's normal to experience some guilt leading up to and just after the breakup. You create a bond with this human, and no matter how upset you are with them, a part of you still cares for them and doesn't want to cause them pain, no matter how deserving that pain may seem. The emotions associated with breakup are dynamic. Sadness, anger, guilt, resentment, relief, joy, and so many others. Feel the feels. Grief that happens as part of the trauma of separation feels like it will last forever. It won't. But if you try and suppress or ignore your feelings, you'll only prolong the normal grieving process. I would recommend that Rick go on a radical self-care adventure. Self-indulgence is encouraged. Eat the ice cream. Go on vacation. Get bangs. But please do not cut your own bangs. Get a tattoo. But please get a good tattoo. Whatever you do is for you. Try not to lose faith in relationships or the goodness of people or relationships. The nature of dating is to break up until you find someone you don't want to break up with for a really long time. The part of your life that you had with your ex is like a chapter of a really good book. You can appreciate the chapter because it adds to the whole story. There was a lot about the chapter that you really liked, but it wasn't your favorite chapter in the book, and you need to get further in the story of your life, so it's time to move to the next chapter. Let go of hope of getting back together and move on. Another very common question is, can you be friends with your ex? The complex answer is that it depends on the circumstances of the breakup, the general flavor of the entire relationship, and the maturity of both individuals. The simple answer is yes, you absolutely can have a positive relationship with your former partner. Wait until you're feeling emotionally strong before developing a friendship with your ex. It happens all the time, though. My ex and I get along better now than we did when we were in a relationship. I even have a friend whose parents split years ago, and they're now living together with their spouses, and they're all very good friends. The decision to befriend your ex is entirely yours, but I need to stress that if you're in a new relationship, this needs to be done with the knowledge and comfort of your new partner. Some folks consider speaking with an ex to be infidelity, and it can be very damaging to the self-esteem of your new partner. There's really no correct answer to the question of befriending your ex and if it's healthy or not. It's whatever works for you and what's comfortable for your new partner. Just know that if you do befriend your ex and it doesn't feel right, you don't have an obligation to continue that friendship. If Rick and Ryan were to come to an agreement that they have conflicting values around family and part ways in peace, there's absolutely a possibility that they could be friends in the future, assuming that this is what each of them want. Most folks moving through their post-separation grieving process do well without any complications, but there's some who can really struggle with moving on. The normal feelings of grief become very intense and the person becomes entrenched in these feelings for a long period of time. There are some risk factors that can put you at risk of complications. If you are broken up with, you're at risk of these intense feelings. People breaking up from their first serious relationships, like me, needed extra support. If your ex is your closest emotional support, like me, you are absolutely at risk because they are the person you would have sought comfort in for a situation as serious as separation. If your ex starts to date someone or moves into having a family right away, this can be very painful. You're still feeling all of the feels and it seems like they've so easily moved on. 
Did you even matter in the first place? The answer is yes, you absolutely mattered. But your ex has made a conscious decision to move forward with their life. And you need to too. You will want to isolate yourself. Don't do this. Connection is what your brain is actually seeking. And the desire to isolate is a coping mechanism to deal with fear of rejection upon connection. Try not to personalize the breakup. Most of the time, breakups are a result of differences in needs and incompatibilities, and that's no one's fault. Your ex is likely doing the best that they can with the resources they have available. No one goes into a relationship with the goal of making it fail. Also be aware that those with a strong history of loss and adverse childhood experiences tend to struggle more after separation, so often need a very strong support network. Separation has a particularly rough effect on those with young children. Studies report that a parent's life satisfaction steadily decreases from the moment of childbirth, and by the time these kids are age three, life satisfaction reported by parents is significantly lower than pre-children. This is just parents in the general public. This isn't even getting divorced parents. So this stress, in addition to the separation, means studies are finding that those with young children who separate have a much higher mental distress level. The other added factor with children, children equally belong to both parents. So after separation, the act of arranging visits, potential differences in location and child support are majorly emotionally charged issues. I cannot stress enough the importance of protecting your children during the separation and divorce process. Do not force your children to choose between parents. Do not put them in a situation where they feel like they have to choose between parents. And do not speak ill of the other parent in front of the children. Engaging in actions such as these affects the attachment process between you and your children, and it can affect their ability to engage in healthy romantic relationships as adults. When you place your children in the middle of a divorce, you put them at risk of developing negative core beliefs that can affect them well into adulthood. I encourage you to check in with your kiddos regularly throughout the separation process. Ask them about their emotions and normalize any emotions that they're feeling. The act of separation itself is not what's harmful for children, but how the separation is handled by all the parties involved that can be harmful. Separation and divorce can actually be an overall positive experience for children. After all, they do want to see their parents happy and engaged in being a parent, and this is difficult to do if their parents are continuously in conflict. When relationships end, people face questions about their sense of self. Who am I without my partner? The exploration of this question is key to the coping process. This question is something that I would explore with Rick in session. As grief is processed, people are not triggered with reminders as often, so there's less of a need to independently and emotionally regulate. I remember about two months after my separation, I was standing in a grocery store looking at my ex's favorite snack something I would have unconsciously put in the cart for him. And I cried and I cried. Within another month or two of that, I had no issues of breakdown in the snack aisle. Things do get better. The argument of time heals all wounds is absolutely valid with breakups. 
but becomes a bit more challenging when we're talking about dissolving a marriage. Divorce is not a single event, but a process, and you can't actually reach the milestone of divorce until you've had a lengthy period of separation. Many people mentally and emotionally detach from the relationship months before the separation takes place. The start date of the breakup process may be when the relationship problems first come up, or it may be well before that. This is a lengthy period where people are rebuilding their identity. It would be helpful to remind Rick that the divorce process is long, the process is complicated, and the process is expensive. But this shouldn't deter him from making a choice that's beneficial to him. What did you learn from this relationship? The story that someone has about their separation and how they understand the events makes the difference. Maybe Rick thinks a bit and comes up with the following meaning for his relationship. My time with Ryan helped me understand the importance of having children in my life. I never realized how important family is to me. Meaning, without blame. Folks who ruminate on the specific events about the relationship are more likely to have problems coping than those who look for the meaning and the lessons that came from the relationship. The person uses a lot of I statements and present tense words suggesting that they're still reliving the experience. In studies, those who had frequent attempts to connect with an ex-partner or a preoccupation with why the relationship ended had significantly higher blood pressure. The increased cardiovascular activity over a long period of time is associated with cardiovascular disease. There are real medical consequences to ruminating on the process of your lost relationship. The consequences are so significant that those who avoid processing the separation and avoid the emotions associated can report psychological distress over four years after the ending of the relationship. The health risks of unprocessed grief from breaking up is so significant that the divorced people have an increase of 20 to 30% risk for early death relative to married people. To combat these risks, it's helpful to gain a self-distance perspective on your separation story, creating existential meaning from the event rather than reaccounting the events blow by blow. A great strategy to help with this is to write out the narrative of your divorce story, indicating what meaning you have gained from key moments in your story. This is, of course, an exercise that I would recommend for Rick. Men and women do not have an appreciable difference in how they emotionally recover from divorce. There's a societal stigma that women have a harder time, but results are not showing this. It's likely that women have a harder time financially because many women are dependent upon their husband's finances. But studies are not showing that they have a harder time emotionally. When considering the separation recovery process and who fares well and who doesn't, you need to consider stressors and protective factors. One protective factor is developing a new intimate relationship. A new intimate partnership is a strong predictor for positive adjustment. Studies found that among people 40 and older, loneliness was the biggest contributing factor to depressive symptoms. And for middle-aged and older people, entering a new relationship was a significant predictor for increased well-being. Women are less likely to enter a new relationship than men, and this is especially true if they have children. Entering a new relationship, especially in the second half of life, was very important for recovery in many studies. 
Social support and companionship needs can be met by family and friends, but there are some needs such as intimacy, attachment, and sharing everyday life tasks that can't be met without a partner. All of these needs are valid and essential. I reviewed a study from France that looked at second marriages and if they worked out better than first marriages. They found evidence to support both of them working out better and not working out better. When second marriages work out better, the person has gained more relationship skills from the first marriage. And relationships formed at older ages were more durable. People in second marriages tended to live apart longer, benefiting overall stability at union. Second marriages may not work out better because the number of potential partners is lower as the person looking gets older. Negative experiences of separation can cause skepticism about new relationships. Second unions may be formed by people who are prone to separation and divorce, so those personality traits could affect the success of the second union. The study also found difficulty with the high complexity of stepfamilies. Unions with previous children have a higher risk of dissolving. Stepfamilies remain disadvantaged in all studies and need more support from our society, truly. Another interesting tidbit from this study is that having children in the first relationship increases a woman's risk for separation, but having children in the second relationship decreases the risk for separation. Overall, they found that second unions are either equally as stable or more stable than first unions. I would recommend that Rick only enter a second relationship when he's given himself adequate time to feel most like himself, and when he feels ready to be emotionally vulnerable again. There is no prescribed time limit on this, and it really depends on the person. There are two change processes in breaking up. The period leading up to the breakup and adaptation to the breakup. There are two thoughts on how people adapt to breakup. One, with time, people will return to their pre-breakup levels of well-being. And two, well-being does not resolve when the divorce is finalized and those emotions are lasting. This is especially the case with couples with children and custody arrangements. You've seen examples of the second one throughout this episode, and honestly, it's hard to tell how this will turn out for our couple. If Rick is able to create meaning from his divorce, give himself solid self-care time and a good support network, he's going to be okay. However, if he chooses to ruminate on all the fights that he and his partner have had in the past, ruminates on the issue of adoption, and he relives the events of the divorce, he's going to struggle. Studies show that breakup, separation, and divorce in the end results in a rise of psychological well-being. There's initial distress, but this is more often than not followed by increased life satisfaction. Most people are resilient and fare well over the long run. Positive outcomes following divorce are actually the norm, not the exception, as many have come to believe. Less happy partnerships are the ones that tend to end. So this doesn't mean that everyone should break up and get divorced. What this means is that you always have a choice. You can choose to work on your relationship, and you can also choose to leave. If your gut is telling you that something isn't right, it might be time to listen. You deserve a relationship that's fulfilling, safe, and gives you an overall feeling of goodness. When talking to Rick, I would remind him, that although divorce is tough, 
with real emotional consequences, the benefits are truly life-changing and more often than not result in change for the better. Thank you for listening. This will be my last episode of the season, and I'm going to take a break until early May to begin building my personal therapy practice. In the meantime, if you have any comments or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to leave them on the Facebook group or send me an email at delcymartin at trueyoutherapy.ca. Be well and take very good care.